Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you into the field to the places where you have those aha moments and mastermind meetings that can change your life or at least bring you that much closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. It doesn't happen in the $25,000 soundproof Hollywood studio, which is why I don't have one. Sometimes you'll even hear a bird chirping or a lawnmower running, maybe some ambient noise from a conversation from a nearby table. These are the places where we have these inspirations. And that's where I take you. Today, we are broadcasting from my balcony here in Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America. And we are going to have a conversation about the adaptable mindset. In our rapidly changing world, we keep feeling the impact of unpredictable events, oh boy, to which we have to adapt. Our guest today is going to teach us his adaptable mindset and how it's about empowerment and finding new perspectives as we improve the lives of employees, whether they are your W-2 employees, whether they're contractors, whether they're virtual team members, whether they're interns, doesn't matter, the people who work with you to support your business and to create higher creative and innovative output, particularly when we're talking about uh, presenteeism, we're talking about quiet quitting, quiet firing, the great resignation, the great reset, the great rearrangements. Oh, my, 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 lions, tigers, and bears, oh, my. So guiding us through this journey is Robert Overvick. He is the founder of Adaptable Mindset. He helps people, teams, and organizations to develop adaptability, to spot new ideas, be open to them, and learn about ways to put these ideas into reality faster. The Adaptable Mindset program has been applied to at least several Fortune 500 companies, SMEs, and supports over 1,000 students and solopreneurs. Robert has over a decade of experience in innovation and digital transformation with clients like Vodafone, Liberty Global, eBay, Heineken, a variety of startups, and innovative schools. Whoo! Robert Overvec, come on in. The weather's fine. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. What a wonderful introduction. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show, just looking at your record of accomplishment <laughs> that I read off your official bio. So before we get into the adaptable mindset, and some of the things we're promising our listeners here that I'm excited to learn from you about, let's, what we like to do is peek behind the curtain or look at the tab behind the bio and discover more about Robert Overbeck as a person. And tell us a bit about your journey, something about your journey, what's brought you to this place where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, so um, where it started for me is, um, so first I did management economics and law, uh, which was not really a proper fit for me. 
Um, so I dropped out, started uh, sort of my own path. I founded my own design business. Um, then I went into Art Academy, where I learned concept thinking, visualization, uh, all those kind of things. Um, at the Art Academy, I started to take photographs and computer games. Uh, everyone there thought I was silly. Some people still do, but that's okay. Um, people weren't really open to these new perspectives that I was exploring and bringing. Uh, although, like eight years later, my works were exhibited at the Centre Pompidou Media Biennial in Seoul. So I kept seeing the same uh, thing emerging, the same rhythm, the same thing of when I choose my own path and my own direction, things flow better for me and for other people as well. Right. So that, that, that was like the first learning. Um, and a lot of organizations wanted to work with me because I had this different perspective, like this different way of looking at things, was able to design things as well. And when I started to work with these larger organizations, I noticed that very few people have openness of the mind. Very few people know how to deal with their with their stress, with their mental space and all of those things. And um, But you need those things, right? You need those things for innovation and for a happy life. And uh, honestly, Adam, it pissed me off a little bit. I'm mean, like, people aren't living their lives to the fullest. You know, they are actually, it's almost like 42% of people uh, experience a form of burnout yearly. Right. Like what? <laughs> like what? What is happening with the world? How are we living our lives, and why are we doing it in that way? And so I want to change that. I want to give people the tools so they can always find a fresh perspective, that they can manage their emotions, that they are connected to the things that inspire them, and that brings more fruitful and in, more innovative, innovative organizations as well. Fantastic so that's story. Yeah. I, I love that so much. So what I want to do here is, first of all, let's define our terms. When you say adaptable mindset, I know that's the, the name of the framework that you use to deliver your brilliance and your passion. What does that mean to, in, in your words? Yeah, an adaptable mindset to me means that you're always able to find fresh perspectives, that you're able to... Uh, flow towards what the world needs, to what towards what you need. It means being connected to the things that energize you. To it means that you're you're engaged with the world, engaged with the things that you do. Um, that in in, yeah, in the fullest sense that you're able to perform, um, serve yourself and serve others. Right. So uh, in this era that we're in right now. What do you think of all this? I mentioned all these buzzwords being thrown around. Great resignation, yeah. uh, presenteeism, quiet quitting, quiet firing. Let's start broadly and let's then we'll narrow this down. What are you making of all this? What, what the heck's going on? Yeah, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, uh, months actually, because if we look, if we explore, if we peel back the layers of quiet quitting, for an example, you know, for the last couple of, maybe the last decade, the global engagement with work was only 20%. So only 20% of your workforce uh, might be engaged with, uh, with the things that they're doing and the, over, um, the other 80% is either actively disengaged or, or even sabotaging um, uh, in the work environment. 
Yeah. I also mentioned the, um, the statistic of the 42% of people who have burnout. So in that sense, quiet quitting is not so um, difficult to imagine why it's happening. Especially now, since a lot of a lot more people can work from home, so it's easier um, to quietly quit. But you could also reframe it into that people are taking more care of themselves and they're saying no to things which no longer resonate with them. So I think the solution lies in finding what intrinsically motivates people, finding how to create engagement, creating a more healthier work environment where there is also mental space to process. Like the other day, I also read another uh, very interesting statistic that only like 1% of a person's week is spent on learning and education. Now, wow, 1%? Oh, I knew it was yeah. low, but holy hell, go ahead. Yeah, indeed, it's all so sad. It's all so sad. So no wonder it's not working. So I, I have the feeling that the old system is crumbling and at the same time, the new systems are emerging. So we see the new systems emerging as well in large organizations like uh, HSBC, PepsiCo, Unilever. They uh, allow their people to work not just based on their hierarchical position in the organization, but in a more fluid way. It's more about skills. It's more about what you want to do. And teams materialize overnight. And so there's more, there is more fluidity and autonomy and self-reliance entering like the, the corporate workforce. And at the same time, we see that in the smaller organizations as well, where more autonomy leads to more happiness. Um, so yeah, very cool and good things are happening. And the right. quiet quitting is very, very logical. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I quietly quit once. Well, actually more than once, but I'll tell you one of the cases, uh, this is company I worked for for almost four years. And I was there, I worked there full time while I pursued my MBA full time. After I got the MBA, my career search took an interesting segue because I decided what I really wanted was to go into entrepreneurship. I didn't know then what I know now. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what questions to ask about it. So it took me about two years to get to the point where my entrepreneurial venture could become a full-time thing. Now, with what I know today, that would have been more like two weeks. But hey, it's, it's what it was back in 2003 to 2004. And there was a period of time where I was kind of on a seesaw. It's like, what am I going to do here? Am I going to climb the corporate ladder? and maybe keep a shingle out to a side hustle? Am I going to transition to having a full-time entrepreneurial gig? Am I going to do both? What, what What's happening here? Uh, the decision was made for me uh, on this uh, very sad Friday in November 2004 when I found out what an obtuse fucking moron my boss's boss was. And we're talking Warden Norton and Shawshank Redemption in terms of being obtuse. And uh, I just realized that, no, no, I'm... Not only am I not doing this with this company, I'm not doing this with any company. So I got real excited about the idea of having my own business and really getting this to the point after a year and a half of working at it where it could be my gig. That night, I spoke with one of my clients who is also one of my business mentors. He offered to give me $3,000 if I went into the office on Monday, quit and walked out. I didn't take him up on the offer. And I'll tell you why, because I did not have a framework to understand the things like that 
can happen for anybody. I thought that was fairy tales and you had to be one in a million and you already had to be connected or set up or what have you. And there's also a part of me that uh, made me think, okay, people don't just give people $3,000. What is this guy's scam? Even though I know him to be an honest man, uh, he's, you know, he and I are friends to this day. What I didn't have the framework to understand is that he was looking to significantly grow his training and development firm. He wanted to work with me a lot more. And the faster I could jump out of my job, the more available I'd be to him, which means he could pay me enough that I could live on it for six months. And that would also give me six months to get this thing to where I could really live on it on my own. And for him, $3,000 was chump change to get somebody who would be available to his organization full-time who he enjoyed working with and could help him accelerate on his goals. I just didn't see that at the time. So I didn't take up on the offer. Uh, that's one of the things I'd go back to my previous self and I'd say, I'd say, not only do you take him up on the $3,000, ask him if he can transfer it right now, wait for it to show up in your bank, and then call your boss's boss at home and tell her what you think of her. That's what I would have done. But alas, so why I bring that up, actually, there's a segue, and this is going to get into the whole quiet quitting thing. What I did do that following Monday is I printed out my job description. I kept it in my desk drawer for the next eight months that I was still there. It got to the point where the staple on it was kind of worn out, and I had to restaple it twice, and the, and the corners were bent. It had tea mug stains on it and what have you. Because every day I checked that thing to make sure that I was fulfilling everything that job description said, not a thing more, not a thing less. Now, here's the funny thing. And I've discovered this not only in my own story when I look back at it, but also in hearing other stories of people who quite quit. It looked to their obtuse bosses like they finally stopped bitching and causing trouble and just put their head down and got to work. And as a result, their performance improved. Because, yeah, shortly afterward, I was told, wow, you're, you're really, your performance has really improved here. This is what happens. It's not so much that their performance improved. They just got tired of getting their fists bloody, beating on a brick wall, recognized that wall was never going to move. So now they've gone into, rather than innovative mode, they've gone into compliance mode. So they will make their work look like their boss's expectations. Since it begins to look a little more like their boss's expectations, they quote unquote improve. But meanwhile, reason why they printed out that job description is they also know they may be a target for IT to have their computer monitored and they don't want it reported back that they're staring at their job description all day long. And uh, I can pretty much guarantee they're now taking their full hour lunch because they need the time to do interviews with other jobs. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like, um... Um, th through that that way of working of the um, of the leadership, you know, you 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 filter out the rebel mindsets. And to your yeah. point, like you're saying, like you create more of compliance. And unless you are this visionary genius as a leader, and you know how the entire world is going to evolve and how everything is going to happen, then uh, you might need the brain power of your employees. So, right. And so, and so the point, so the point I make there is, yeah, to the, to the, the management that's not clued in, 
oh, we finally stopped them from being a troublemaker. They're not going to be a high-maintenance pain in the ass for us. They're finally just going to come here and work. Yeah. Okay, yeah, looks good on paper. But what actually happened is, in their mind, that person's already quit. They're already out the door. It's just a matter of time. But meanwhile, they're going to make damn sure that you can't find a reason to fire them. Because they're going to keep using that paycheck until they get their next job or they start their business. Yeah. That's not a place I'd want to be as a, as a manager. And I have quite quit on that job. I also quite quit on a client once I became an entrepreneur. It just got to the point it felt like the same thing. It was, uh, it was just that you know, beating your fists on a brick wall and finding out that in the end, oh boy. But, uh, you know... I'd like I'd like this to just not be an issue anymore. So, Robert, what can we do about this? We don't want people quiet quitting. Yeah, I think um, well, if people are already there, then probably there is quite a lot wrong in your organization. But often, what we like to do is um, we organize workshops for teams. Uh, yeah, and we invite everyone to um, bring. The things that, and it can be in a slide or can be in other examples, like um, to, we, we ask them what energizes them, what inspires them. You know, we start with what their world revolves around or what they want it to revolve or evolve around. And then often you already see that it is completely disconnected to the things that people want. So if you can help them to connect again more to that, uh, that could be due to uh, working out at two o'clock in the afternoon. That could be due to, um, I don't know, talking more to specific kinds of uh, customers because you like speaking to customers, but you're not in that role because um, you haven't evolved in the in the hierarchical pyramid yet. Um, so listen more to what people want. And then uh, from there, find out how we can connect the things that the organization uh, also needs to have done connect those things to the things that people want to do. It's very, very, very easy, actually. Um, but it, it involves laying a listening ear. It involves not demanding things. It involves no. creating space. And it also involves following up on those things, creating the space yeah. to do those kind of things. So that's not a one-off thing, but that you integrate the, the reflection, the, the mind expansion, the mental space, integrate that into business. Uh, and you'll see that people will be able to flourish more, that creativity flourishes. Like, and Adam, there are so many things out there in the world now, also on the field of technology that can really accelerate your business. Like it's crazy stuff, like machine learning models, like out of the box, you can click them together or develop programs or software without writing a line of code. But if your people don't care about their work or the things that they do, they won't pick those things up. And um, so you need to create an environment where people do care. I think that's the most essential thing. And it starts with listening and creating space. Yeah. There's still the challenge that people might be reluctant to open up because they either themselves or people they know have experienced that opening up was actually a trap set by management to figure out who wasn't quote unquote loyal or quote unquote with the program. So they knew who to quiet fire. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're better off being in, in a less toxic place anyway. 
So yeah, there, there, uh, there, there, there is that. I mean, um, at the same, t- like with that last job, at the same time, I was quietly quitting. I was also being quietly fired, and I knew it. I didn't have that terminology around it, but I knew what was going on, which is why. I made the resolution that I was going to stay for the exact amount of time that it took me to pay off certain bills to loosen my cash flow, like my like my car note, paid my car off, paid my credit cards off, got a few other things so that I had very low living expenses for when I made the jump to entrepreneurship, and also so that I could absolutely take the total maximum 401k matching that that company offered. I wanted every damn penny and just yeah. build that up for a little while. Well, I worked on cultivating new clients. And when I got to myself to the point where my client load was such that it just wasn't going to be tenable for me to also have a job, that's when I knew to jump. And that took me about eight months. But in the meantime, I I knew exactly what was going on, although I didn't have the terminology for it. So I actually put more energy into making sure they couldn't find an excuse than I did doing the job. You know what would be even more fascinating if we would allow more people to have a job on the side, to have that side hustle. Um, because what we see in organizations that, especially young people who have a side hustle, want to start their own app or yeah. or fitness business or whatever, you learn so much from that. You know, if you want to start your own business, you need to learn about propositions, you need to learn about copy, you need to learn about pricing, SEO, everything. But if you just have one specific role in a large organization, then especially if you have 1% of your time is spent on learning, you know, and if the world is evolving so fast, then it's good to be in touch with the outside world with your own side hustles to learn. And if companies give people that kind of space, and we see those developments now, right? We see that people work in the legal department at Unilever and also work at a smaller legal firm and also take care of their parents for one day a week. So we see that the world is changing. And I think that's a good thing um, because I think if you're able to synthesize from different domains, that's just better and for your brain, but also for the organization. Yeah, what I like about that is it gives people the opportunity to find expansion and find new ways to be creative, to be innovative, and to acquire new skills that maybe their current workplace isn't providing. And what just occurred to me, and this is why I say the Business Creators Radio Show is like a mastermind experience. If let's say that uh, you're in an organization, let's say it's a, a large company, and you really do want to either move up vertically or maybe move up diagonally within your industry but your next move may not be available for another year until something happens with a budget or somebody retires or what have you to create the possibility of you moving into that space are you going to just sit there stagnant for a year or could you be you know doing what you're supposed to be doing from eight to four but then there's a question of what you're doing from four to eight That could be, as you said, a side hustle, another business, creating an app. I argue that in this day and age, I remember when I first started out with career searching, there's a big thing about the resume and the cover letter. My feeling in this day and age is that the resume has been replaced by having a published book and the cover letter has been replaced by hosting a podcast. Yeah, or something similar or... Or, yeah, or having run a few startups or tried a few things or those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing also is uh, we know from research that 
when people have uh, multiple skills, that they are less threatened by change and transformation. Because if you are kind of like a T-shaped player and you've got a broad range of skills and new developments emerge in the world or in the organization, then you won't feel threatened by it because you have got multiple other skills that you can fall back on. Right. And so the more skills that we give people and allow them to explore, you know, the more resilient, adaptable, and flexible their minds and our organizations will be. I think you're absolutely on the money with that. And it goes back to the whole thing about financial security. You remember in the news a few years ago uh, when Dan Price, the founder of Gravity Payments, who I know recently resigned for whatever that's about, uh, he um, raised everybody's base salaries to $70,000 a year. Now, the story he tells, he found out that somebody working in his office was applying for a job at McDonald's because she wasn't making enough working for him to pay the rent. Uh, there are many theories as to why he might have been motivated to do that thing where he raised everybody's salary to $70,000 and then reduced his own to $70,000. Point A is he made a lot more than $70,000 between stocks and and ownership uh, dividends and uh, also revenues from the publicity gained by his move. The guy was... I think was still making millions. That's my candid opinion without having the the documents in front of me. Uh, but what the practical impact that that move had on his organization, which has been documented by actually looking at numbers, putting them into spreadsheets and creating bar charts for those who are interested in statistics, is that his retention went way up, his uh, his turnover went way down, and productivity also increased for a very simple reason. You're going to be doing a lot better focusing on your job when you're not trying to figure out how the hell you're going to pay the rent. And if you're in an environment where if your tooth is hurting and it's that kind of permanent hurt that lets you know that a root canal is imminently needed, you're not trying to figure out, find some dentist that will do a root canal on the weekend. You can just say, hey, look, uh, my tooth is dying here. I need a root canal. And my endodontist uh, can see me at three o'clock. Can I jet out of here today? And the answer is yes. That employee, that contributor is going to be much more focused on adding value during the time they're in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% agreed. And there are a few other things that we can do. So we can make sure that they have their security in that sense. We can make sure that they uh, develop uh, multiple skills, but we can also help them to reduce how they perceive stress. Because the yeah. data says that if people are severely stressed, you know, your thinking brain can be reduced to just having 20% left. So 20% to come up with innovation, to come up with different perspectives. Like, it's not possible. Like it's it's doing innovation on hard mode. So I always say like, take care of that environment, you know, that you create that safe mm -hmm. space where people can explore. And if you have a fake safe space, well, uh, yeah, then you have an issue. Um, so that is one thing that people can work on and everyone should find their own formula for success, you know, how they reduce stress, but you can also um, take a bit of the stress out of the organization. And then there are, things on organizational levels, like if you are a quarterly driven organization and often you also get quarterly driven innovation, you know, because your timelines are short and you need to report within that quarter and your money is also spent in that quarter. So you get also get um, tinier, smaller 
innovation. So all of the things are so logical, but yet we have a lot of difficulty in, in I don't know, maybe taking that step back, reflecting at what is happening and then having the guts to take a different route and take a different approach. Yeah, I I could not agree with that any anymore. So I'd like to see us do away with quiet quitting. And I'd also like to see us have some respect for the idea that if you're hired to do something and you're doing that, then that's considered good effort. That we're not looking for people to do three jobs and get paid for one or to sacrifice their lives. I saw a meme once and I'm going to butcher the repeating of this. And I've been trying to find the meme again so I could download it. But basically it's a screenshot of a Reddit conversation where, and who knows if this is real or not, but apparently the guy claimed he was a supervisor. And he said that he found out that one of his employees was doing the job that they were hired to do. They were getting it done in like an hour and a half each day and they weren't volunteering to help their coworkers. And he said, and his question is, how do I fire this person? And somebody replied, you want to fire the one honest employee you have? Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating that like I would go to that guy and I would ask him, Hey, how are you doing that? This is, this is brilliant. Can we scale this way of working so that everyone, their time gets freed up for creativity, leisure or whatever. And and I just always like to go, when things go wrong, I just like to go to what is the root cause? So you can always point fingers like, oh, people shouldn't quietly quit or whatever. Why is it happening? Now, I think that is um, more important. Can I share my, my favorite meme as well, Adam? Please, please. We love memes okay. here. Yes. Okay. So in my meme, you uh, there are four panels. In the first panel, you see a guy sitting in front of his, uh, his Teams or Zoom call with four uh-huh. screens and he's just oh, a bit bored. And then you see the sun in the second pa- panel slowly g- getting past the, the clouds and, and, and into, his, into his house, the lights shine into his house. And he's like, guys, sorry, I have to take this call. The sun is on the other line. And then he uh-huh. just leaves everyone, puts his yeah. backpack on, and you see him moving into the distance. And I think that's, that is also me. And that should be more people as well. Like, you know, if beautiful things in life call you, why don't step into it? Like, uh, so I um, so we work with um, with Heineken as well, and their commercial director. So I spoke to him about sports. You know what kind of sports you use to create mental space, or you know for your mind and body. And uh, so he did swimming and he did cycling. Yeah, and he did that during the day. And as an example to his employees as well, he used Strava, um, so they could see that during the day that he was cycling. And that also gave like this new vibe within the organization, like, oh, we don't necessarily have to work from eight to six or whatever, but you can divide your day in however you want. And also that is yeah, a methodology, a way to create space and to create more, more of an interesting life. I find yeah. that a cool example. Yeah, you know, without before this whole idea of great resignations and quiet this and quiet that. Uh, came into play about two and a half years or three and a half years ago, actually, I created a four part meme basically based on uh, downloading some images from one, two, three RF and capturing them or captioning them. 
And uh, here, here are the four. Uh, the first is it shows a young man sitting in a cubicle in an office. And he's got this naive grin on his face. And it says, I'm so grateful for this job. Feel free to call me at home. Yes, I'll come in this weekend. Then you go to the second image. And it shows uh, a man uh, where yeah, he, he's dressed. He's dressed like a VC capitalist. And he's even got the, the huge frame glasses like I wear. And uh, it shows him with his arms folded. And behind him, there's a drawing of a man flexing his muscles. And it says, my side hustle is picking up. Screw off his politics. At 4.30, I'm out of here making real money tonight. The third uh, depicts Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part Two, right after he told the senator that um, he was going to pay absolutely nothing for his license. And it's captioned, I've already quit, just haven't told you yet. Waiting for open enrollment. Kids need health insurance. Phoning it until then. So this is somebody who's now quite quit. And then finally, you have you have Al Pacino as Tony Montana in an iconic scene from Scarface, where he pulls out the M16 with the M203 grenade launcher. You know, he's saying, "Say hello to my little friend," and it says, "Here's my two weeks' notice. My paycheck goes to my last paycheck goes straight to marketing my business." And even then, I define that as the evolution of how you totally blow it and lose an employee. Yeah. I'd like to receive that one. So um, sometimes we create memes as well for organizations. This is where um, I was going with it. That was my yeah. next question. It's like, yeah. I set up the pins and you rolled the strike. We're, we're yeah. reading each other's minds now. That was yeah. literally going to be my question is, can we facilitate this conversation and understanding using memes? Go 100%. ahead, please. I'm all ears. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what happens in a lot of organizations is where they say, hey, guys, we are just like like large organizations, like the ones I work with. Uh, we're just like a startup. You can fail here. You can do whatever you want. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you are um, you do need to um, get the KPIs that you previously had to get as well or the OKRs or whatever measurement yeah. you use. So which, which is a bit. Sounds a bit paradoxical. So I made a made a cartoon of Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob, who's yes. quite you know. He yes. said, and he, he exactly says that. And when I show it to um, the audience of leaderships and the entire digital team, um, you know, and the, you you expose the pain in a funny way, and you make the the, the yeah the, the the conversation come to the forefront. But sometimes. Uh, we also notice that organizations that they say, "Hey, who, who was this meme about?" <laughs> and then that that really shows that you're, uh, I think the word is oblivious to uh, to what is happening. Um, but that is also interesting to learn if that's the case, because then then we need yeah. to do even more work. But you know, man, humor works. It makes it uh, easier to to talk about these kind of things. Yeah, what I found about memes is they, in some ways, enable us to communicate with each other. Uh, a personal story I like to tell is I met a guy on Facebook. Oh, boy, that's, uh, that's what she said. But anyway, um, uh, and the way I interacted with him is he and I had a mutual friend where we where this mutual friend of ours would start provocative discussions. Uh, well, let's just say about politics. And this, this guy and I, we were on opposite sides of the 
opposite sides of the political debate here. And so this guy would start meme wars with me, and he'd always post the same meme. And if he's listening right now, he knows what meme I'm talking about. Uh, we'll just call it the dancing man. Uh, with a lightning bolt coming from the sky, unless you fill in your own imagination what political implication that could mean. Uh, so then I figured out, you know what? This guy's trying to bait me, but I'm not going to take the bait. Not only that, but I'm going to build a bridge with him. So I started responding with my own means, representing the views of our side. And, uh, and it got to the point where we once got in a meme battle that went for, and I timed it, three hours and 22 minutes. But then when I went back and reread it, I thought, wow, look at this. We actually, expressing through memes and captions and funny pictures, shared our respective views on a whole wide range of issues. And if you read this like it's a diary, it's a foundation for understanding. And we have become real friends as a result of that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. I think you can also apply the same thing with groups where you have everyone um great memes about what could be improved in the culture for an example and you can even have people do that you know if it's a small group do it semi-anonymous so that everyone has a chuckle and then at the end say like hey how are we going to solve these things you know that emerged from this session i think that is a very it's very interesting and playful way to um yeah put those things to towards the service yeah i would like to say for the record i won that meme battle of course yeah, I always win. Even yeah. when I lose, I win. Yeah, that's that, the goal then, of life, right? Just yeah. winning. <laughs> and that actually takes me to my next point, uh, frame control and reframing. So when we look at things, uh, like we look at things like quiet firing or quiet quitting, uh, great resignation, uh, you know, presenteeism and all that, well, what if we, and this is what I try and do, is reframe those conversations and although the business creators radio show is an entrepreneurial podcast in nature the fact is is entrepreneurial ventures and this is the little secret here entrepreneurial ventures if they succeed or when they succeed are very rarely going to continue to do so as solopreneurial ventures they are going to acquire all of the same issues that a company or corporation will have. That's why I spend time on these topics. And that's why they tend to be popular with our audience. You will at some point have employees. You will have virtual team members working asynchronously. You will have contractors. And all of this stuff is key if you want people to support your business and feel like they are gaining a return on their investment in you. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's essential to... Yeah, to, to, to listen to them. to And it's also just a cool thing to do in life to um, give people the space to explore how they can solve their own challenges. And maybe sometimes you, you supply a few tools here and there. It's, it's, it's the best when people become self-reliant and, and autonomous. Um, that's a very uh, rewarding feeling for yourself as well if you're able to create such an environment and, and, and supply such tools. For example, okay, uh, here's, a, here's another thing that comes to mind when I, I think of just all of this stuff. And this is sort of like a, a for example. 
I did the whole build a huge virtual team and outsource and leverage everything when I had a website development firm. I loved it so much I couldn't wait to shut it down. I felt like I felt like my entire role consisted of a putting out fires all the time, b trying to inspire folks who were well-intentioned and were acting within integrity, but didn't have the passion for the business that I had. So that led to some of the fires and C endlessly dealing with my clients attempt to defeat the fact that I had assigned an entire team to manage their accounts and they only wanted to deal with me. That's what it, that's what I, that's, those are the three things that I, remember from that business and why I really, really did not like it at all. And at the, on the first of the month, when I paid off all the team members, I paid off all the affiliates and I paid off most of the bills. And I looked at how little was left for me. I realized I was essentially in business to pay others to be in business. So disconnects all over the place. I decided rather than try and fix the model to just start a new one because I'd become intrigued by a different industry anyway and didn't want to be in web development anymore. I wanted to move to website conversion consulting and I'd already started a consulting firm that had clients. So I wanted to spend more time on that. So the transition was already there. Uh, But looking back at this, I recognize that through all those complaints I just expressed, there was one common thread is that People who I pay to do jobs will never have the same amounts of passion for building my business as they will for building their own business. And that is exactly as it should be. Yeah, 100%. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's just uh, impossible. It's, um, it's, yeah. Maybe if you, um, if your goal is to save the rainforest and their goal is to save the rainforest as well, but then eventually you'll, you'll have differences based on the approach or how to get funding or whatever. And that's just part of life. Um, But you can make the engagement. You can strive to make it as, as beautiful and good as possible. You can strive to reduce stress as much as possible. You can strive for, people to explore their curiosity and bring what they find back into the organization. You can strive to create such an organization. That is possible. Yeah. I think, I think it is to a degree. And another thing that I didn't really do because I guess at the time I allowed myself to look at this through rose tinted glasses and indulge in my naivete is that folks would never grow my best people ended up wanting to end the relationship with me, not the friendship, just the business relationship. In fact, I'm still friends with all these people and it's over 10 years later is that they had just evolved in their own business so far ahead of what I was asking them to do that it was a mismatch for them. It it was, it was, it actually could create a branding dichotomy for them. If they, if it was found out that they were getting paid by me to doing the things I was asking them to do. Uh, so the example I'm thinking of, and uh, the person who was doing this for me 
is a very, very big name in the virtual assistance agency right now. She actually is down to a very specific niche within virtual assistance. I'm not going to say anything more than that because I just don't want to say her name and I don't want to uh, put out stories about what she was doing 10 years ago. But one of the assignments she has had was to format the weekly e-newsletter for one of my clients. And she had notified me that... Uh, she wanted to she wanted to get out of harness within a month. So she said, look, I know it's the beginning of May. I'd like to be done with you working this way by the end of May, if that's okay. And I said, sure. And thank you for giving me 30 days to replace you. That's awesome. Well, it was about May 6th, and I sent this assignment to her. And she said, you know what? I thought about this. I'm not doing this newsletter. I quit. Yeah. And I applauded her. Because mm -hmm. I, I recognized that it was to a point where her business was growing so fast and in a different direction that this was so upside down in her return on investment equation that she was better off without it. And I was better off without even trying to persuade her to yeah. hold up to that 30 days she promised. So I said, you know what? That's perfectly fine. Um, I got somebody else who can do the newsletter. Uh, we don't have to do anything else. Uh, congratulations and uh, keep in touch. And that was it. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, where, where I bring that up is I want to ask you a question that we're seeing more and more, particularly in memes and Reddit stories. And it is kind of provocative. Actually, I may end up asking you two questions. Let's start with the main one. Why is it that employees virtual team people, contractors are expected to give notice to an employer that they plan to leave, but the employer or the client can just one day out of the blue without even giving a reason why say, you're done, or not even communicate that message. They just try and log in one day, find out that their login no longer works, check their bank account and see that there's a sudden new deposit in there with the note final pay and they get no further communication on that whatsoever. It's kind of unfair. And I, without having the vocabulary for it, I think I realized that that was going on with my contractor 10 years ago is it wasn't really fair for her to spend that 30 days doing something that just was no longer part of her life to honor an expectation of a commitment to me that it was actually incumbent upon me to have a contingency plan in case she fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, it's great that you see it in that way. You know, the, um, the interesting thing here is that in, in Europe, we, it, it, yeah, that is not going to fly. Um, I think even with, free, when you work with freelancers, then the company that they work for uh, has like a 30 day period. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and the person and the freelancer, uh, he, he or herself also has this 30 days. So um, it's not so easy to, so freelancers are easier to um, say goodbye to, but if you have full-time employees then you need, need to build a, up like an entire file of, of multiple things that are wrong with this person. And it's yeah. very difficult to... So I don't think that situation would fly in, uh, in Europe. 
No, I've and I've studied what goes on in Europe for our listeners who may be anywhere in the world. I'm in the United States, Robert's in Europe. So just to be clear that we're looking at this from two different viewpoints based on two different cultures, which is awesome and part of why I do this show. Uh, I, I, I've thought about that myself and I resonate with the idea of why should an employee or a contractor would have you have to give two weeks notice or 30 days or what have you but the employer or contractor can just cut it off without even explanation or communication. And then that goes into the whole quiet firing thing. What quiet firing is about is it's essentially the equivalent of giving the person the, uh, giving the person the desk in the corner and burying them in research projects. It's to send a message that there is no upward movement for them and they're no longer part of the nexus of what's going on. So they can stay if they want to, but nobody's going to shed a tear if they turn in their notice tomorrow. Yeah. It's supposed to send a message of, you know, you probably should res- dust off your resume and uh, find a new job. Or if you've been having it in the back of your mind, what you really want to do is start a business. Now might be that time. Yeah. I want to I want to come back to that uh, point that you made because I think like if you are able as an uh, as a company if you are able to get rid of people um, just instantly I think their experience would be as an as a person working there that you constantly have this this ability of getting kicked out so constantly right. you're thinking about oh about my mortgage oh about my this so uh-huh. you'll be walking on eggshells you'll be not performing to your fullest you're you're not you're not curious because you're scared because you're stressed. So I think the secondary effects of these things, people should really think through that if you don't create like a safe environment for people, then they won't perform or they will perform a little bit, but not to the fullest potential. Right. It's yeah. It's a bit silly, short minded. Yeah. Yeah. The fact, the fact is in terms of rights, I mean, if we want to look at it simply from a rights perspective, I lean toward Either side can break it off at any time without explanation needed. From a holistic perspective and a how do we support each other and how do we grow our community perspective, I look at it as, hey, if the employer contractor has to give notice, well, except for cases where it's a gross disciplinary issue, I mean, like something like really freaking bad, then... Mm -hmm. The employer has to give notice too. Now, if it's a security issue where let's say the person's working in the IT department and they're heavily involved in proprietary information involved with that company's app, uh, you can say to them, look, uh, we're terminating this position in 30 days. Uh, wanted to give you the heads up. In the meantime, uh, for the last 30 days, uh, we would like you to do X instead. We just need to move you away from this project. But this is something that I think would be great for us and uh and if you need a little extra time off to do interviews go right ahead yeah that sounds a little bit more logical yeah yeah and i and i and i think that a lot of folks can accept that uh my friend skip weissman uh he's the founder of your championship company and i quote this in my book groundhog day is an event not a business strategy he urges that if an employer finds out or you know a client finds out their employee or contractor is looking for greening pa- greener pastures, rather than say, oh, well, we need to fire them. They're being disloyal because they're interviewing. They're looking for another opportunity. They're starting their business. The way you actually handle that is real simple. You have a conversation with them, you cards on the table and you say, 
I understand you're looking for a new job. I understand you're starting this business. I understand you're looking for different client opportunities and you're thinking about phasing me out. So here's the deal. I will support you in that. I'll give you a reference. I'll even make my network available to you. I'll do everything reasonable that I can to support you in this. If you need to take some undeclared PTO to make some interviews, that's fine as well. But here's what you do for me. For the remainder of the time you're working with me, you give me 100%. That's yeah, actually, think, yeah. here's, here's the key, according to Weissman. That is actually a retention tool. It can cause that person who was planning to leave you anyway to look and say, wow, this is actually a pretty cool place to work and I've got a great boss. And yeah, I know that things aren't perfect here, but maybe there's a chance we could even work this out. Maybe I'll stay because who knows what kind of asshole I'm going to encounter at the next place. This guy's cool. Yeah. yeah I like that approach. And I also think um, if word gets out that this is the kind of place that people can work at, you know, that you maybe you get into the, the organization at a slightly younger age, they educate you in all sorts of processes, tools, new things, they help you develop as a person and hey, you can leave if you want and we will help you find a job as well and give you space to do so, but you can also stay and you can always also come back. Now, that is a pretty cool story, right? And yeah. I think more people want to work at such organizations than at the organizations where they're just treated like they're a little cog in a big machine. Let me, uh, you brought up something in your answer there. And let me, uh, and it's actually where I was headed with this next. Uh, diagonal career advancement has been all the rage for a very long time. 20 years ago, I completed my MBA from Duquesne University, which means, yeah, either way, I was moving out of that $25,000 job full a year full-time job I was having. And I was, I was either getting a big promotion or I was going to go somewhere else. As I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, somewhere else, it took me two years and three months, but ended up being a full-time entrepreneur. But I remember being told at the time by somebody that... I was, and one of the jobs I interviewed for was for a, um, for a, for a middle management position with, uh, don't laugh, Blockbuster Video that would uh, utilize those MBA skills. And I mentioned this to a guy I knew from the cigar shop and he said, well, yeah, I hope you get that job. Uh, even if you only stay with it for a year. And here's the reason why you've been this other job. You've had it the whole time you were doing your MBA, which has been what? I've known you for three years. You've been in this MBA for two years, which means you've been at that company for two years. You have to go work for somebody else because somebody looks at your resume and they see you spent 10 years at that same company. They're going to say, what the hell is this guy doing? Just sitting there doing nothing. And why doesn't anybody want to hire him? So even in 2003, we had already moved beyond the idea of lifetime loyalty. Now, let me circle that back to your point, Robert, which is when you said, and they can come back, people get promoted diagonally, which means their next job may be with another company. The job after that may be coming back to you with the additional skills they acquired working for somebody else. Yeah, and on top of that, we see organizations move away from just having hierarchical positions. Uh, middle management is being cut out. So moving up is less of a, yeah, it's starting to become less of a thing. It's more about 
what kind of skills can I acquire as a human being and how can those, those skills be applied in organizations? And, you know, like I said in the beginning, groups of people just get together to solve challenges and people and, and skills, um, yeah, they move around uh, based on specific challenges and tasks which are constantly emerging. So there is going to be more fluidity anyway. Um, so yeah, so I would just advise everyone to always just continue learning, keep stacking skills, connected to what you find inspiring. And I would advise organizations to create such a space where that's possible. Yeah. So on both sides, we're talking about the adaptable mindset. And with that, we are pretty much at the top of the hour here. I do want to extend an invitation on your behalf to our listeners. Check out Robert's website. It's www.adaptablemindset.com. That's www.adaptablemindset.com. And there, you're going to get specifics about the adaptable mindset method. If you find yourself leaning in, curious about this, how it works, whether it's something you can apply within your organization, your teams, your venture, your startup, then absolutely reach out to Robert. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him on Facebook. He's all over the place. So reach out to him. Tell him you heard about us, him on the Business Creators Radio Show. As you can see, he's a font of knowledge, and he comes to this from a giving perspective. And it would definitely be worth your wow. And with and with that, with that, Robert Overveck, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thanks for having me, Adam. It was uh, it was very cool and uh, let's share those memes as well. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.